Well, God is indeed good all of the time. He's faithful to us. We see His goodness each and every day. Even when life is not good, God is good. When we think about wrapping up the new year and getting, or wrapping up the old year and getting ready for the new year, I can't help but think of a little family tradition that we had on New Year's Eve and on New Year's Day when I was growing up. I do not remember exactly when this practice started, but I can remember the first time that I have a recollection of going through this little family tradition. We were at my uh, Aunt Paula and Uncle Wayne's house on New Year's Eve night waiting for the new year to come. And while we were waiting for the new year to come, we were watching movies and playing games, eating snacks, and just having a good time. And about 11.50, my aunt and my mom grabbed a bunch of pots and pans from the kitchen and a bunch of uh, stirring utensils. And they took us out on the front porch. And they were really excited. And they said, all right, guys, you wait right here. Wait right here just a few more minutes. As soon as it's midnight, we're going to bang these pots and pans with these spoons as loud as we can and scream Happy New Year and wake up all of the neighbors. This is a bad idea, Latricia, just letting you know, all right? We sat out on the front porch and we waited. And then 12 a.m. came. And they said, Bang the pots and pans as loud as you can. And they started banging their own pots and pans and screaming, Happy New Year! I don't know if we woke up anybody or not, <laughs> but we had fun. We did it just like that, man. We had a lot of fun. And then I can remember getting a, a little bit older, and I can remember trying to keep my eyes open. Yeah. Some of you are there, you wish I'd just say Happy New Year now. You can take a nap and just sleep all the way through the rest of the day, right? But I can remember getting a little bit older and thinking, okay, we'll stay up till midnight. You know, it, it wasn't as fun anymore. I wasn't five or six years old. And I thought, okay, we'll stay awake. It'll be fun. We'll hang out. And I can remember falling asleep one year. And I can remember my mom coming to me and shaking me on the couch and saying, Jake, get up. We're going to go bang pots and pans out at the front, okay, okay, whatever. And I missed it. And I can remember waking up later, like at 3 or 4 in the morning, still asleep on the couch. I ended up going to my bed, but going, man, I missed it. I was asleep, and I missed it. There's times that we're excited about something. I mean, we just, we can't sleep at all. Maybe we're excited about going back to school. Maybe we're excited about summer camp. Maybe we're excited about Christmas. We just can't go to sleep. Maybe we're excited about banging pots and pans, welcoming in the new year. But then there's times that some of the excitement wears off a little bit. You know, instead of wanting to open up toys on Christmas Day, you're the dad that has to put batteries in all of the toys on Christmas Eve. And make sure the new bikes are assembled that Santa's leaving under the tree, right? And you just can't wait to go to sleep. Maybe with the new year coming around, you're like, man, happy new year. 
I tell you what I'll do this time. I'll make sure I see the ball drop in New York on Easter time and I can get to bed an hour early and just celebrate that way, right? So let me get to bed. Let me get some rest. There are times when we just don't have the excitement about something and we fall asleep. We need the rest. This morning I want to share with you a story about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus was always excited to pray, to enter into his Father's presence, to spend time with his Father in prayer. His disciples sometimes would show that same excitement. They would ask Jesus, how do you pray? Teach us to pray. And he taught them. But on one particular crucial night, when Jesus wasn't so much excited about something that was going to happen, but anxious about something that was going to transpire, he would spend the night praying. And he would also ask his disciples to spend the night praying with him. But his disciples didn't have the same heart, desire to pray that Jesus did. And they fell asleep. Jesus asked them to pray and they fell asleep. Not once, not twice, but three times. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open it up to Mark chapter 14. And we're going to look at verses 32 through 42 as I preach to you this sermon. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Mark chapter 14. Verses 32 through 42. This story occurred right after Jesus had observed the Passover meal with his disciples in that upper room in the city of Jerusalem. They went outside the city of Jerusalem after Jesus had given new meaning to the Passover meal instituted something that he called and we call the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper when he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup at the end of the supper and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood which is shed for you. As often as you drink this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. Jesus and his disciples left that upper room and they went out to one of Jesus' favorite prayer spots on the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where this story happens. Mark 14, verse 32. Follow along with me. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. 
take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. When we think about this story of Jesus and his disciples going to the Garden of Gethsemane, that night to pray, we don't just need to have in mind what happened right before this story, but we also need to have in mind what would happen right after this story. Right after Jesus had been praying and challenging his disciples to pray, and after he found them asleep three different times, Jesus got up and one of his disciples named Judas, who had left the supper table early, had gone to the chief priests and to the Jewish rulers. Judas had arranged to betray Jesus into their hands. Judas would walk up to Jesus and kiss him on the cheek, signaling to this group of chief priests and Jewish rulers, an angry mob who was jealous of Jesus, that this person that he had kissed on the cheek was indeed Jesus that they wanted. They would arrest Jesus, drag him off into the court of the high priest, give him a mock trial in the middle of the night, accuse him of blasphemy, and then drag him before Pontius Pilate and demand that he be crucified. And that very next day, Jesus would die on the cross for the sins of the world. That's what happened after this story. And that's why Jesus was troubled in his soul. And that's why Jesus wanted his disciples to pray with him. But they fell asleep. I want you to notice some things with me in the story that we just read in light of some other important things we know about Jesus and His prayer life in the New Testament. And then we're going to learn some principles of prayer that we can practice as we go on. First, I want you to note this. Jesus prayed often, and His disciples wanted to know how to pray like He did. So Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He showed them how to pray. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, Jesus' disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. 
And so Jesus taught them how to pray. He prayed something that we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. The longer form of it is actually in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus prayed like this. Maybe you remember it. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us what we need. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Don't you love that? I mean, his disciples said, teach us how to pray. He gave them a prayer to pray. And in giving them a prayer to pray, he showed them these are the things you can be praying for. This is the order that you can pray in. This is how you can address God. These are the things that you can ask God for. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And he prayed often. This was not the first time that Jesus had prayed late into the night. In fact, he had done so after the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe you remember that story from Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 52, that Jesus had fed 5,000 people after teaching all day long. And he had had his disciples help with the feeding of this crowd. They had to distribute baskets of bread and fish all throughout the groups of people sitting there and they picked up the leftover pieces. They were tired and exhausted and worn out. Jesus sent them in the boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and in Mark chapter 6 it says, but Jesus himself went up on the mountain to pray. And he prayed into the night after the sun had set. Jesus in fact, on at least one occasion that we're told specifically in the New Testament, prayed all night long without sleeping a wink. It was the occasion when he called his disciples, when he appointed his apostles. You can read about it in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16 sometime. Jesus spent all night praying that the Father would show him the ones he had given to him so that he could, they could carry on his ministry. Jesus often got away from the crowds to pray. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says that very thing. Jesus himself often withdrew by himself out into the wilderness to pray. In fact, one of his favorite prayer places was this Garden of Gethsemane. Anytime they went to Jerusalem, you could just see Jesus... Wanting to go out there to the Mount of Olives to pray. Luke chapter 22 verse 39 makes that note. That it was his custom to go to that place and to pray. I also want you to note this because you may not know it. This was not the first time that Jesus' disciples had fallen asleep. While he was in intense and intimate prayer. Did you know that? In fact, back in Luke chapter 28, Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 36, while Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, 
they fell asleep. Jesus is praying to the Father. And all of a sudden, Peter wakes up. At verse 32, I love it. It, it says when, when Peter was fully awake, that he beheld, oh, there's Jesus. And he's with Moses and Elijah. This wasn't the first time they had dropped the ball. And I also want you to note this, and many of you will remember this. After Peter and the other disciples fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, how many times? Three. Peter denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, but how many times? Three times. All of these things are important to know when we read this story in Mark chapter 14. Because when we read this story in Mark 14 and we see how Jesus prayed and how His disciples failed to pray, in light of Jesus' prayer life, there are some principles that we need to come to put into practice as His disciples in this day and time. These principles aren't going to be on the screen, so you're going to have to listen well. If you take notes, you can write them down as we go through. I'll try to state them and repeat them so you can remember them. But it's just a handful of principles, five of them. And here's the first. If Jesus spent His time on earth praying, we need to spend our time on earth praying. That's the first principle. If Jesus spent His time on earth praying, then we need to spend our time on earth praying. There was no human being more important or significant than Jesus. Would you agree with that? No human being has ever walked this earth who is more important or significant than Jesus. He had more things to do and more people to minister to, more things of grave consequence than we will ever have to manage in our entire lifetime. And Jesus took the time to pray. But what do we often do? We often go, oh man, yeah, Jake, I need to pray. But you don't understand, I got this to do and that to do. And I'm too busy. Jesus was pretty busy, wouldn't you say so? But Jesus took time to pray. There's a pastor some years ago that wrote a book entitled, Too Busy Not to Pray. And really, that's how Jesus lived his life. He knew that he had been sent to this earth to do something so vital and important in bringing salvation to people that he could not and dare not do it without spending time with his Father to make sure he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. If Jesus took time to pray, and he took time to pray a lot, then we need to pray too. Some people might think prayer is a waste of time but the truth is, living without praying is a waste of your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we're told to pray without ceasing. At each turn we take, every step that we make, we need to be people of prayer. Jesus was guided by prayer. Jesus asked His Father what to do, and His Father showed Him in prayer. One of my heroes of the faith growing up, a man named Grady Higgs, who was the, uh, the director of the Baptist Missionary Association Missions Office for many years, 
had this practice in his life. He wanted to be a man who prayed without ceasing, but he was struggling with a way to actually put that into practice day in and day out. So he had the idea that every time he stood up, no matter where he was or what he was doing, he'd just spend a moment praying. And it changed his prayer life. I mean, he could be sitting down at the dinner table, getting up after having eaten dinner. As soon as he stood up from his chair, he'd pray. We could be in a worship service. I saw him do this on numerous occasions. And if we would be asked to stand to sing, as soon as he'd stand, he wouldn't look up at the screen to see the words. He'd have his head bowed just for a moment and pray. Pretty neat, isn't it? We need to be people of prayer. We need to take the time to pray. We need to pray without ceasing. If Jesus prayed, we need to pray too. Maybe it doesn't need to be every time that you stand up. Maybe it needs to be whenever you open a door. Think about it. Open your car door. God, please protect me while I'm driving down the road. Every time you open the door for somebody coming into a building. Pray for the person, even if you don't know who they are, walking in. When you hear noises like sirens going by outside, let that be prompts to pray. Somebody may have been in a wreck. There may be something bad going on in somebody's life right now. Lord, help whoever that is. Jesus prayed. We need to pray too. Prayer is not a waste of time. Living without prayer is a waste of your life. Think about this. Is there anything that you can do without praying that God cannot do better if you'll just pray and ask Him for the strength and courage and power to do whatever He's called you to do? Second principle of prayer. Prayer brings us into an awareness of the presence of God. Prayer brings us into an awareness of the presence of God. I'm going to teach some of you a big fancy word this morning. How many of you have ever heard the word omnipresent or omnipresence? If you haven't heard it, you got a new word. Don't ask me to spell it. I'm going to have a hard time doing it, all right? Omnipresent or omnipresence. It means that God is present everywhere. There's nowhere you can go where He is not. He's just that great, that amazing, that wonderful. He's a God who's always present. But there are times that we live on this earth without being aware that God is right there with us. What prayer does when we come to God and call Him Father is that it makes us aware that we are present before Him. And that He is with us wherever we are. Think about it this way. I had the opportunity this past week to go visit my in-laws in Summerall, Mississippi. And there were 20 of us in the household, right? It was, it was fun. It was loud. It was crazy. But it's fun. There's 12 grandkids. Mally Grace is the oldest. Myra's the youngest. I mean, you, just, you can imagine the noise, right? Then eight of us adults. There were times we were all present in the house. But there were also times that we'd be watching a football game on TV. And not really paying attention to somebody else. We were there with each other. But we didn't really realize that we were there with each other. Until something would happen. I'd be sitting in this chair, and I'd look over at my father-in-law, and I would say, Hey, Wade. And you know what he would do? He'd turn his eyes off the TV, and he'd look at me, and we'd have a conversation. 
there are times in your life that you are living in the presence of God, but you don't realize His presence in your life. You might be going through some really dark valleys in life, wondering where God is. He's there all the time. All you've got to do is turn and call on His name, and immediately you have the attention and affection of your Father in heaven. Isn't that wonderful to know? All you've got to do is call upon Him, Father. And you know what He does? Listens to you. Prayer brings us into an awareness of the presence of God. The third principle of prayer. Prayer prepares us to do God's will and work. Prayer prepares us to do God's will and God's work. Did Jesus know what was going to happen to him after he had spent that night praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you think he knew that he was going to be arrested? Do you think he knew that he was going to be put on trial by the chief priests? Do you think he knew that he was going to be crucified on the cross for the sins of the world? Do you think he knew? Good. I like the of course. Of course he knew. He predicted it to his disciples on three occasions, specifically in the Gospel of Mark. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. Jesus knew what was coming. So what did he do? Did Jesus put on some boxing gloves and start going to town on a punching bag to make sure that his arms and his body were strong enough to to fight this good fight that he was about to have to endure? No. He spent time on his knees praying. Did Jesus spend time making this long list of pros and cons of what would possibly happen if he were going to die on the cross and follow through with his father's plan, worrying to himself, well, this this is coming, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do this, or well, this is the good thing, I think I can press through it if I'm just determined enough on my own. No. Jesus didn't make a laundry list and keep his thoughts to himself. He didn't worry and bite his fingernails. He prayed to his father. God, you know what's coming. God, I need help. And it's wonderful over in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 22, it says that God sent an angel from heaven to minister to Jesus, to strengthen the Lord Jesus as he prayed there in the garden that night. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, the disciples don't know everything that Jesus prayed that night because they fell asleep. But before they fell asleep, they at least heard one thing. Father, if there's any way, may this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. When you pray to God, God prepares you to do His will and His work, no matter how difficult it may be. There are some things that you can do, and you can attempt to do without God, but you better believe me. You'll never be able to do all that God wants you to do, the way that God wants you to do it, and accomplish His kingdom purposes if you don't first come to Him and pray before you set off to do His will and His work. I'm telling you, as a pastor, I've messed this up sometimes. I know that there's something I've got to do. I know there's somebody I've got to talk to. I know there's somebody I've got to listen to. I know that there's a task before me that I've got to get done. 
And if I'm not careful, I'll go, okay, I'm going to do it. And I'll attempt to do it in my own strength and in my own power without ever going to God first in prayer and asking Him to do through me what only He can do. Because I'm telling you guys, and you know, I face and you face a lot of things in this life that we simply do not have the capability to do in our own strength and power. But the Lord can give us everything and will give us everything that we need to do all that He wants us to do. Prayer prepares us to do God's will and His Word. Fourth principle of prayer. Prayer helps us triumph over temptation. Prayer helps us triumph over temptation. Over in uh, Luke's account of this uh, story, when Jesus went to His disciples in Luke chapter 22, He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. He says that in Luke 22.40 and Luke 22.46. Do you remember how Jesus taught His disciples to pray in that Lord's Prayer? There's a line in there that we need to pay attention to. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you think Jesus knew what His disciples were about to be faced with? The shepherd was going to be stricken, and the sheep were going to be scattered. Do you remember Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times this very night. Pray lest you enter into temptation. God knows what's coming around the corner even before we round the corner. He knows what lies ahead on the path. He knows what traps the enemy has set for us. He sees how Satan is going to attack. And if we'll spend time praying, God will give us the wisdom that we need. Because our flesh is weak. His Spirit is able to give us the wisdom that we need to face those temptations and to fight those temptations and be victorious over them. You know, I've often wondered what it would have been like if Peter would have stayed up and prayed those three times when Jesus told him to watch and pray. I mean, I really do. Would he have denied Jesus? Maybe not. But when he was faced with that temptation because he had failed to pray, he failed to acknowledge His Master, His Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, Peter would go on to write this later in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. He would say, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Think Peter was, knew what he was talking about when he admonished people to be watchful in their prayers? He had missed the boat that night in Gethsemane. He didn't want other believers to miss the boat too. There's going to be things that you're faced with and the Lord knows them. Difficulties you're going to encounter. Attacks from the enemy. If you'll pray, the Lord will help you triumph 
over temptation. He will deliver you from the evil one. And the fifth and final principle of prayer that I want to share with you today is this. Even when we fail to pray, Jesus never fails to pray for us. Even when we fail to pray, Jesus never fails to pray for us. I've shared with you already that Jesus' disciples don't know everything that Jesus prayed in the garden that night. It's because they fell asleep. They didn't hear it. They did hear Jesus pray the words, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And evidently, they also heard another part of Jesus' prayer. At least John, the disciple, did. Because he recorded a prayer in John chapter 17. The whole chapter, John chapter 17, is a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples. Are you ready for this? It's a prayer that he didn't just pray for those disciples that were in the Garden of Gethsemane with him that night. It is a prayer that Jesus prayed for every single one of his disciples who would ever follow him. Did you know that the night Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying for you. Read John 17 sometime. You'll be shocked. Jesus prayed for you that night. Prayed that all those that the Father would give to him out of the world would be one with him and in him. He prayed that all of the world would know that his disciples were truly his disciples because of the love that they would have for one another. Isn't that incredible to think about? Jesus prayed for you. But here's what's so wonderful about Jesus' prayer life. It didn't end with his time on this earth. Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 tells us. And Hebrews chapter 7 Verse 25 tells us what Jesus is doing there at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I want you to listen to this verse because it's a wonderful promise from Scripture if you have never heard it before. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says this, Therefore He, that is Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. That word intercession is a big word, isn't it? You know what it means? It means to go to someone on someone else's behalf. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now in heaven? He is at the Father's right hand making intercession for all of those who come to God through faith in Him. Has this thought ever occurred to you? That Jesus is praying for you to His Father in heaven right now. Isn't that incredible? He ever lives to make intercession for us. Even when we fail to pray, Jesus never fails to pray for us. Prayer is vital to our Christian life. We don't need to fall asleep on the job. We need to watch and we need to pray. 
So what do you do with these five principles? Put them into practice. If Jesus spent his time on this earth praying, then we need to spend our time on this earth praying too. Pray. Maybe you need to get in the habit of every time you stand up or every time you open a door, you pray. Maybe you need to set aside an hour each day or half an hour each day when you go to the Lord and do nothing else but pray. Maybe you want to put it into practice in a very specific way and join us in this 24 hours of prayer as we begin at midnight to pray in the new year. You can sign up to take an hour to to pray here in the sanctuary. We'll start at midnight, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, however you want to phrase it, we'll go to midnight tomorrow. There's about six hours left. Nobody's signed up to take yet. Maybe you want to spend an hour praying in here. If prayer brings us into the awareness of the presence of God, come into His presence with thanksgiving in your heart. And give Him praise. Call upon His name. When you call God Father, He listens to you because you're His child. Prayer prepares us to do God's will and His work. Before you go about doing what God has called you to do, Call upon the name of God and ask Him to help you do what He's called you to do. If prayer helps us to triumph over temptation, pray. Watch and pray that you wouldn't enter into temptation. Pray that God would deliver you from the evil one. Maybe every morning as you're getting dressed in the morning, go to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you're putting on your belt, Pray that you would have the belt of truth on. As you're putting on your shirt, pray that you would have a breastplate of righteousness around you. As you're slipping shoes on your feet, pray that your feet would be shod with the gospel of peace. Pick up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Hold your Bible up in the air and pray on the armor of God that you may not enter into temptation. And no matter where you go or what you do, If you know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, always remember that Jesus is always praying for you. Will you spend time in prayer? I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we enter into a time of invitation, I just want to invite you to pray and talk to the Lord. You can do that right from your pew where you are. Or maybe you need to move physically to help bring you into an understanding of the fact that you are addressing a holy God in heaven and coming before Him in humility. Maybe you actually need to stand up during this song of invitation and walk down here to the front and get on your knees before God and pray to your Father in heaven. If you're here this morning and you don't have a prayer life because you've never really thought much about prayer because you don't know God and because you've never come to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, that can be the very first prayer you pray to help you build a lifetime of prayer and fellowship with the Father in heaven. Jesus came to this earth from heaven to die on the cross for your sins. He was buried in a tomb and he rose again on the third day. 
And if you will give your life to Jesus, He'll become the Lord of your life. He'll give you a reason to pray. He'll give you a reason to live. He'll give you life itself, life eternal and abundant. If you'll believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again, and if you'll confess with your mouth right now that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. That's where your prayer life starts, right there. If you don't have a prayer life, if you don't have a relationship with God, start it right now. Pray and ask the Lord Jesus to save you from your sins. I'll be standing down here in the front during this time of invitation. If you need to speak with me about anything, if there's any way that I could pray with you or for you, please come. If the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart to get out of your pew and to come down here to the front and just spend some time in prayer before the Lord, would you do that now? As God calls you, would you come to Him today?